This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Ship that was uh, sitting there in Yokohama, the uh, Diamond Prince's cruise ship, where uh, 634 passengers tested positive at last count for the coronavirus, COVID-19. Two elderly Japanese citizens having perished, they're in their 80s, and uh, that's who was most susceptible to this, we're told, people with compromised immune systems. But 47 Canadians infected on that boat and uh, the remaining in Japan for local treatment so as not to spread the virus because the contagion is obviously still something of utmost concern to that end. Let's find out exactly what we're dealing with at this advanced stage of the uh, spread of the virus. Dr. Michael Gardam is with us, the Chief of Staff at the Humber River Hospital. Doctor, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. So, uh, what have we got here? Uh, 47 Canadians are being uh, held in Japan, I guess, to be treated locally. That's advisable, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, once we know that they're infected, and even if they have mild symptoms, um, it's best that they basically recover from their infection in Japan and then be able to fly back home once they're negative with the virus. Now, 634 passengers, I mean, cruise ships carry a lot of people, but 634 is not an insignificant number. Uh, that's fairly high, I would think. Is it because of the situation that these people were kept on a boat in the harbor and, uh, I guess, in the best interest of not spreading it, but effectively they were on an incubator spreading it? Well, that's right. I mean, I think the decision to leave them on the boat was really about, you know, keeping this from spreading uh, outside of the boat. But in terms of the people uh, who were who were left on board, clearly this spread pretty easily. I mean, we know we've known for years that cruise ships have a problem with the spread of viruses. Think of all those norovirus outbreaks that have happened on cruise ships, and this was really no different. It, it sounds like you know the the intent was really to keep it from spreading off of the ship and not so much about trying to stop its spread on the ship. So what happens now with the ship, by the way? Uh, even in the aftermath of everybody being cleared, I don't know when that would be, hopefully sooner than later, uh, can you successfully disinfect or does the virus not continue to uh, have any potency? How does that work? Yeah, well, you know, the jury's still out in terms of how well these coronaviruses survive outside the body, but they're not they're not terribly hardy viruses, so I would expect if they were to go through and very carefully um, clean the ship, that they should be able to get rid of this in the environment. The bigger issue is going to be, I mean, that name, Diamond Princess, is going to be tagged with this coronavirus forever. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be hard to sign people up to go on that ship in the future just because of the name and because of all that's happened. They're going to have to re-tag it, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> okay. okay, well, these are some of the uh, mundane considerations, maybe not mundane to the people behind it, but uh, again with Dr. Michael Gardam, Chief of Staff, Humber River Hospital, on the idea that uh, the coronavirus that has had us transfixed now for a couple of months uh, has spread to, you know, to Canadians, although the ones in quarantine uh, at Forces Base Trenton, uh, I think they got the all clear, didn't they? they? They put in there two weeks and everybody was cleared? Yes, my understanding is there hasn't been any cases picked up in that group, which is obviously very good news. I'm sure everybody is very, very relieved. It, it, it really speaks to the fact that, that this virus, although it's clearly contagious, is not as contagious as other things like influenza. And so it's just very fortunate that those people were able to get through all of that. Yeah, what do we got now? 1,200 deaths primarily in, in China, the two Japanese citizens I cited earlier. Still around 1,200, yeah, give or take. Yeah, that's right. And there's also been a couple other deaths uh, uh, outside of China as well. But by and large, this remains a very large issue within China. And a few other countries that have had some local transmission going on, in particular Japan, uh, South Korea, and Singapore. 
those are places where we need to watch them very carefully to make sure that, you know, a month from now, they're not starting to look like like uh, China. Well, if you're graphing it, uh, you know, plotting it on a graph, uh, apparently, if I've got it right, and I don't know if we can, you know, base this on uh, any credible data coming from China itself, but the numbers of uh, infected people now are starting to drop rather than rise, correct? Yes, that's right. Certainly the rate of new cases has definitely dropped over the last week. And there's been some confusion because China uh, changed the definition of what they were counting a few times, which made it a bit hard to understand. But now that a couple weeks have passed, it's pretty clear that the number of uh, new infections is slowing down. And nobody's entirely sure what to make of that, whether this is because they're having difficulty counting them or perhaps they've, they don't have enough testing kits or perhaps the rate really is going down. You know, I would love it for the rate to really be going down. I think we're still just kind of waiting to see uh, some really clear evidence of that. How will we know, doctor, if uh, we're out of the woods on this thing, uh, figuratively speaking? Well, I mean, theoretically, if we're able to control this and it doesn't have a sort of a, a natural reservoir where it can hop back and forth between animals and humans again, if we're able to control this, then theoretically it could just vanish and we never actually see it again, which is what happened during SARS. You know, we'll we'll see that over the coming, I'm going to say, uh, probably two to four weeks to get a really good sense whether, you know, now there's no doubt the number of cases are clearly dropping. Other countries that have imported cases haven't seen secondary transmission. I'm thinking places like Canada, for example, where there was a lot of excitement about the few imported cases we've had, but we haven't seen spread in the in the general community. As we get more and more evidence that that spread is not happening and as China is able to actually control things, then I think we're going to start feeling a whole lot better. So what you said, SARS as a coronavirus itself uh, has now disappeared, been eliminated? Yeah, that's right. I mean, basically, it had jumped into humans back in 2003, and then it hasn't it hasn't shown up again. So, you know, what we want is for this virus to have been a sort of a one-off where it, it, it jumped into the human population. But if we're able to stop it spreading, uh, eventually it should just go away. You know, I was reading, or I guess maybe I saw it somewhere, uh, virologists were looking to try to identify patient zero, if you will, uh, in China, uh, because they say that that might have given a lot of uh, information as to its spread or uh, how they could control or curb it. Uh, what do you know on that front? Uh, not very much. I think that is a very interesting question, though. I think that, you know, the early origins of this are still very confusing, right? We're looking at a that this may have jumped into humans somewhere between November and December, but we don't really have a good understanding of exactly how that happened you know, or whether it happened to one person who spread to many people or whether there was actually multiple people exposed at the same time. And that's how this got going. I think that, you know, hopefully once the dust settles and we can and China can spend a lot less time in sort of day to day control measures, they can start to try to investigate what happened there, because obviously what you want to do is, you know, prevent this from ever happening again. And certainly the wet markets in China and the large congregation of people around wild animals is just a it's basically a setup for this kind of thing to happen again. And so you hope that uh, they've learned from this and they'll be able to control those markets better. Is the international medical community right to be dismayed that the Chinese won't allow the specialists in from the Centers for Disease Control? Well, I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, you, you do want to be able to share this information because it really is a a global issue. And so having international experts in uh, would be very helpful to get others' opinions 
The challenge with all of these international outbreaks is they become very political very fast. And as you know, there's no love lost between China and the U.S. right now. And that doesn't that doesn't help matters. And how about the folks in Cornwall? I'm reading some reports that uh, some are apprehensive about these people being quarantined in Cornwall. Is that a realistic or a practical concern? Well, you know, I mean, I think wherever people are, 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 are quarantined, frankly, the risk to the population around them is basically zero. I mean, they're going to be quarantined within their uh, within whatever whatever lodgings they're in. And I'm, I'm, I personally am not concerned about this virus getting out, so to speak. Uh, they'll be very carefully monitored and everybody working uh, with these Canadians who have returned home are going to be, you know, very well trained in, in, in the kind of precautions they need to take. So I don't believe that this is a risk for, for Canadians, and I'm very glad that we've been able to bring these people home. And so I guess we can conclude that Canada's handled this relatively well. Canada's done really well. You know, I've said from the very beginning that if there was a country that was uh, prepared for something like this, it's us. We went through SARS and and really you know, made it up as we went along. And, and then we went through H1N1 back in 2009. So we've had a lot of preparation for this. And I am, I have to say, proud to see Canada doing well um, because we didn't do all that well back in, in, in 2003. So we've clearly, uh, we've clearly come a long way. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Very insightful. All right. Thanks for having me. You got it. Dr. Michael Gardham, Chief of Staff, Humber River Hospital. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.